Hello 90s footy fans, welcome to episode 67 of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. This week we talk with former Footscray defender, Matthew Croft. Matthew, a country Victorian football product, was selected by the Footscray Football Club with Selection 2 in the 1989 VFL National Draft. He made his debut with the Bulldogs in 1991 before playing 186 games and kicking 72 goals during his 14-year career at the Western Oval. In this episode, Matthew chats about his draft year, the preliminary final years of 97 and 98, playing on the star forwards, his tough final season in the VFL, and playing at the Western Oval. I hope you enjoy the 67th member of the 90s Club Footy Podcast, Matthew Croft. Matthew Croft, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Really looking forward to having you on the, the podcast, mate, and reminiscing about your time at uh, Footscray slash the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, thanks, Trent. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Mate, as I do with all my guests, I love to find out what you're doing now with your life. Um, obviously, you know, post-football. So what's Matt Croft doing with himself currently, I guess, from an occupational point of view? But also, do you still have any footy involvement, you know, following your years at uh, Footscray Western Bulldogs? Um, yes, so occupationally, uh, I'm a general manager uh, of a software company, um, and so uh, that takes up a fair bit of my time. Um, so running that, uh, that's uh, out at uh, Notting Hill. So we have a, um, a work management software called Zugo. There's a bit of a plug for Zugo, but, um, yeah, Zugo is used extensively in um, utilities, so power utilities, even down your way, Trent. So keeping the the trees and vegetation away from power lines for uh, for power core and different utilities. So um, yeah, it keeps me pretty busy, um, and um, and also uh, I've got a, a family. I've got uh, twin boys who are well, turning eighteen and fortnight, so and a daughter turning oh she's turning twenty one later this year, early next year. So. Got some young young adults there in the family, and um, yeah, so that uh, all of that keeps me well and truly busy. What about footy, mate? Any footy involvement? I know you had some time um, on the Western Bulldogs board and so forth a few years ago. Have you done anything since, or any involvement, or just you know just a pure football supporter these days? Yeah, no, nah, pretty well a, a football supporter, and and uh, and try and spend a fair bit of time with uh, with the kids and in what they're doing, and they're they're getting older and. Um, and watching them play sport and, uh, and their involvement um, in, uh, well, and Taylor, my daughter, involved in uh, horse racing as well. So she works out the living legends out at, um, above Tullamarine Airport, all the old gelding. So, yeah, just getting involved in that now. So, But, yeah, I really enjoyed my time on the board. I was there five years for the Bulldogs and asked to come back and, and fill that role. It had been, I think it was probably 10 years after I'd retired. But, um, yeah, but that's sort of what I'm up to at the moment. Fantastic. Mate, you're a Mildura product. You were drafted by the Footstray Football Club with pick two in the 1989 National Draft. Were you a bit surprised getting selected that early in the draft and had the Bulldogs any, made any conversations with you that they were committed to take you with that their first pick in, in that year's draft? Um, 
No, they hadn't. Well, apparently post that, my dad tells me they did, but it obviously didn't get conveyed to me. I reckon that was probably one of the clubs, what was there, 16 clubs then or something, I think, that, that actually didn't contact or talk with me. Um, in terms of where I'd come in the draft, I think it become evident in the last couple of months leading into it that I'd probably go top 10 and... Um, I followed Hawthorne. I was a Hawks supporter, so I had a lovely time during the 80s following them. I was fortunate enough to be asked down and trained with the Hawks. Um, Yabby Jeans was the coach in 89. They won a premiership, as most uh, most um, football fanatics will recall. Um, and I actually got an opportunity to train with them, but the problem was winning the premiership meant they got whatever that was, 14th or 16th draft pick at that time. So... Yeah, as you said, I went number two, but it was interesting. I think it was the week of the draft. Um, uh, it was Doug Vickers was a uh, Richmond um, recruiting officer, took my mum and dad and myself out to dinner two or three nights before the draft and couldn't really commit. So Richmond finished last. I'd hoped to go to Richmond then because that was the old Sunraysia Mildura area. Yep. And so I knew Mabby Knights, um, the Bowden Boys, um, a few others uh, fully in that prior, prior to that. So did not even let out then which way they were going to go, either Anthony Patrick or myself. And um, in hindsight, I think it should have been the way on the wall that they weren't going to go with me. So <laughs> Bulldogs picked me up. How did you find out you were drafted, mate? Um, back then, I guess there's not the you know the television coverage we have in the current day. How did you find out that you were drafted? <laughs> I was walking between classes at... Uh, at school in Mildura St. Joseph's College and um, uh, one of the teachers uh, congratulated me because he'd heard it on the radio. And so other than that, I had no idea. So, yeah, a little bit different today, today I think, Trent, in the way that, uh, you know, it's all it's all in front of TV and everything like that. Um, and, yeah, I, I couldn't – I didn't know what to think at that stage because I didn't know what mum and dad knew or what. But anyway, so I, I then knew I was going to the Bulldogs. Now, I know you didn't come to Melbourne straight away too. I did some reading uh, prior to our chat tonight, and I think you stayed home in the 1990 year to complete your VCE. Was that a big decision to make, and were the club happy to oblige for you to, to go down that path and then, I guess, you know, rejoin in 91? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think the um, the draft age was a year younger, so I think uh, from the year I was 16 uh, when I was drafted. So, um, yeah, actually doing year 11 not year 12, but, yeah, so stayed up there. The club were accommodating. I think they they knew that we were pretty keen to finish year 12 in Algeria and then come down. I'm sure they would like me to come down the year earlier. But, um, no, they were, they were very understanding from that perspective. And um, and I think it was a I think it was a pretty good call as well because it was, it was a big move um, uh, to, to do that, yeah. Royal gets it out cleverly on the... Croft and Croft goes with a left foot. It's an important kick. The dogs are back in front. You made your debut in 1991 against Fitzroy. That year was an uh, amazing year because you played under 19s and then you got some opportunities to play reserves. And then in the final few rounds, you finally got a chance to crack it in the seniors. So a bit of a roller coaster season for, for Matt Croft in 91. Yeah, it was. And um, I'm still, I guess, really. Um, not surprised, but at all of the the first ten or the first round draft picks in today's day and age, and 
you know, I look through and watch different footy with my son and you see so many playing pretty well round one of the year after they're drafted. Now, admittedly, that was a year later, but um, there's so many that, that do play and play really good footy. So I find that really encouraging or really enjoy that side of it. For me, um, yeah, I remember that uh, I trained with the seniors all summer and the week before the the big um, footy poster, you know, when the photographers come out and take the team photo, I got dropped back to the under-19s and I was filthy because I didn't get in the 1990, <laughs> um, the 1991 <laughs> team poster. So a little bit, little bit disappointed in that. But, yeah, played two games in under-19s and then nothing. Uh, and then we played the rest in the reserves and um, and they got called up against Detroit, which was, uh, it, was it was amazing. I'll never, never forget. I don't think anyone will forget their first AFL game. Do you get a chance, like I know with uh, technology these days, you can sort of go back and find those games. Have you had a chance to go back and watch it with your sons and look at your first game before or was the footage not available to do so? I started doing a little bit of that in COVID when uh, <laughs> we, we all had a bit more time in our hands. But every time I went to try and start and find some old footage, my boys, are just they just head the other direction. <laughs> they, <laughs> think, they think I was doing too much of it. So, um, but no, every now and then, yeah, sit down and have a bit of a look and um, – and then reflect upon when sometimes I give a bit of advice to my boys about playing sport or playing footy, and then you see yourself do the same thing. It's a bit hard sometimes, but it's all part of the learning curve. And it was funny back then too, because a few guests I've spoken to, sort of similar path to you with, um, you know, I guess making that apprenticeship, having to go through that apprenticeship. And it seems like a lot of players back in those late 80s, early 90s had to go through the apprenticeship first, then they'll sort of make their way into the seniors. And it's, as you said before, it's sort of, a different way it's done in these days. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, you sort of had to earn your your spot in the team back in the early 90s to play senior footy. Very much so. And, you know, being an avid uh, Hawks supporter um, and being out there and hearing some of the stories of the Hawthorne supporters in the 80s, you know, like um, I don't know exactly now, but Michael Tuck played something like 100 games or more in the reserves or more, you know. So as well as his 400, he played seniors. That was, the, that was the dumb thing. You really did have to earn your stripes and you had to have body size, physique and everything like that to um, to earn your stripes to get a game. But it's very different now. And I, I like that side. You know, I think that's I think that's really good. But, yeah, so probably myself a little bit surprised that I was given the opportunity in my first year there. So I was very grateful for it. 1994 was an interesting year. Um, I guess it was probably the year where you started to really forge a bit of continuity in the in the senior team. You played quite a few games in that year, especially in the second half of the, the year. And I guess that year was special because you were involved in the final series. You got to play in two finals. Um, to be running around for Footscray in the in September action, um, big crowds and and so forth, that must have been a real highlight. Yeah, it was. And I think, as you, as you sort of pointed out, in my mind, I probably wasn't really established at that stage. And I think it took a little while even after that um, because I did have um, some issues around injuries and, and keeping on the track. But, yeah, that was that was a, a really good year. And playing finals, um, oh, it was something else. It really was. You know, I never experienced anything like that. The dogs didn't used to get great big crowds, but... Um, in finals, you know, everyone comes to watch anyway. So found them very nerve-wracking, that was for sure, because they're obviously a lot on the line. Um, but, yeah, that was probably the turning point, I guess, the start to think, yeah, I can I can play this game. 
what did Footscray draft you as, mate? Obviously, I know that, you know, reading, you know, you sort of played, you know, wing, you're a bit of a, you know, you could play anywhere really in your junior days. But then I guess from my memories of you running around at Footscray and Western Bulldogs, you were predominantly a, a defender. So had they earmarked you as a defender, you know, coming into the into the squad or had they had some other ideas for you? No, I think um, from a draft perspective, they knew that I could be a bit of a utility and I think that was uh, attractive to them that I you're coming in at six foot three, uh, could run pretty well. So I was drafted as a winger half forward um, initially, and that's those first five games. I actually did play on the wing uh, for the dogs. Um, so that was that was quite good. The thing that kind of flipped me towards the defence um, was a game out of Waverley against, um, pretty sure it was Sydney at that stage, but, yeah, Lockett was playing. And I think I was about the third, third player to go on to him because he was starting to really get a head of steam up. And um, probably for the second half of the game, I kept him either to one or none. I can't recall, but in any light, that was seen as a, as a, as a fair <laughs> turnaround. And unfortunately, you've got to be careful what you, what you turn your hand to. And um, I think from that point forward, I was, a, I was always chosen pretty well as a backman, apart from a couple of years of being a bit of a... A uh, bit of a pinch hitter. It was always used in that capacity as well. But yeah, so utility player as a kid played ruck, um, played a little bit of backline in teal cup, but mostly wing and forward as I got into the seniors up in Georgia. I love what you said that you've got to be careful what you wish for because I'd say what probably one of the hardest gigs going around was playing defence in the 90s because I look at the four forwards you would have had to play on Dunstall, Schwartz, Ablett, Neitz, Modra, these sort of guys. Who are a couple that you had to really you know, sit down before a game and think about the way you were going to play on them? Because I guess, you know, Dunstall was that strong leader. Plugger was just hard to get around. Ablett was uncanny. Modra was aerial. Um, you know, who were the ones that you found the real real hard to sort of match up on because they just had the, the package? Oh, mate, all of those ones you mentioned were hard, hard to man up on. Like, they all had their own their own great attributes um, and were fantastic in their own rights, you know, there were most, a few of them, over a thousand goals. Um, from my mental approach, yeah, I was, I was nervous, I was apprehensive, <laughs> certain level of anxiety playing <laughs> on all of those because, you know, a lot of the times, you could play what you thought was a really good defensive game and have five kicked on you from those guys or more. Other days, you'd be out of sorts, not in the right spot. And fortunes would go that they either kick bad or their team didn't deliver it well to them. So, um, yeah, very interesting playing fullback on some of those on some of those greats. Like thinking Gary Ablett, I only played on him a couple of times because Steve Critty usually got him or, yep. or someone else because he was he literally had every great attribute: athleticism, you know, jump, power, strength, great hands, great kicking. Actually, there was someone mentioned to me or showed me, sent me a little clip because uh, well, Gary's been in the news, as you probably gathered, the last week or so, and it, there was a photo, I think, in The Age, and it was Ablett horizontal taking a mark, and then there was a half of a bulldog, number 16, cut off. It was also <laughs> horizontal about two metres behind him. So 
my response back in the text was, yeah, it looks like I've got him well covered. (laughs) (laughs) Was there one of the forwards that you you had more luck on than others? Like, was there one that you were able to have a couple of good games on where you restrict their goal flow, um, you know, out of those superstars we've just mentioned? Oh, look, I think, and this, look, (laughs) I don't want to say, but Plugger probably, whenever the Bulldogs played Sydney or... Um, I always, I always got the job every time, and he, he was phenomenal. He was absolutely phenomenal. But I think you, the way that I measure that, and the way that the club and the coaches appreciated what I did, because he was so good. You know, it's not that I had his measure by any stretch of the imagination, but I did prefer uh, the body on body. Well, he was, he was stronger than me, but I would, I would. Um, yeah, well, let's say I, I took everything I possibly could and scrag him to, you know, try and put him off. So I'd, I'd always be picked to play on Plugger. Uh, it was about 10 years that no one else in the Bulldogs had played on him. So, oh, that's a good thing or not. But <laughs> um, no, and look, I always used to get Wayne Carey too, but and Wayne playing Pagan's Paddock where he played centre half forward and he'd probably just have horse behind him and the rest of it was open, open slather to him. That was really nerve-wracking. That was really hard to combat because it was like the kangaroos, ball carriers, would just kick it to his advantage wherever that was in four directions. At least when you're playing full-back, they can only come on a half-semi-circle <laughs> and lean out of it. So, um, yeah, that, that, was, that was it. That, 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 that was very hard. Take by Critical. Critical into Croft and he marks it well. It plays on, races in the goal. That's good football. And he's put it through. In 1995, and I've never asked any of my Western Bulldog or Footscray um, guys I've had on the podcast, the great EJ Witten passed away in 95. And obviously, we know how well connected he was to Footscray and so forth. How much did his passing, you know, affect the team and so forth that year, and especially during that time? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I think. Um uh, my personal experience, I'd only met EJ a couple of times um, as he was getting sort of older. Um, I feel as though he, he didn't come around to the club maybe as much as what he had for some of the older players. So I think at that stage, some of the older players probably it affected them more. It certainly affected the club and the people that have been around there for such a long time. Um, yeah, probably a little bit different for myself and probably the younger guys that you know just come in. We're just learning the club and the club's history. Um, but every time I met him, it was um, you know just in awe of, of what he'd done and what he'd done, what he and his presence as well. Um, he'd go out of his way to talk to you. He didn't know me that much of the world, but yeah, it did have, I do recall it had a fair impact on the club. That was for sure. 1996 was a really interesting year, and I think of the documentary, The Year of the Dog, and, you know, it wasn't the greatest year of uh, Footscray's history, but then things sort of changed in 97. Uh, there was a name change, um, new coach obviously coming on with with Plough getting the, the job full-time. Even yourself, you know, you had probably one of your best years playing 19 games that season. Yeah, what was one or two things that sort of caused the turnaround? Because then obviously you just played finals footy again. yeah. There, there was there was a combination of things. Um, I think you know at the end of uh, of '96, I don't think things could have got much lower. I had a very very poor year myself. Had a lot of injuries. I think the only chance of me getting on the year of the dog footage was I was doing um, <laughs> water running out at Wesley College because I spent most of my time in there trying to build my core up. 
and I came out and I got this underwater camera to uh, to film myself and uh, it was, I think it might have been Steve Kriuk as well, doing rehab for our back and our hamstrings. And I thought, wow, that's the only possibility that I could get on the year of the dogs. And I think that ended up on the cutting room floor as well. <laughs> but at the end of that, you know, um, the new board came in um, and that was I think, sort of described as a bloodless coup. I think, you know, Peter Gordon moved, moved over, was happy to do that uh, for David Smorgan and, and that was done in a nice, nice transition for most optics. And, you know, just that sort of leadership of um, David Smorgan as well, first time addressing the players, you know, we're going to do we're going to do certain things here and turn this around and talked a bit about his history with the club. Um, and I think that was the start of the players actually buying in as well. Not that we weren't invested before, but thought this well, this is a new a new thing and it sort of opened up. What do you guys need? You know, list off, you know, we'd like better training facilities, we'd like this. And he actually he put a few of those things into place straight away, you know. I think um, Luke Darcy mentioned that, you know, it'd be really good if we got a, a sponsor for supplements or something. And and um, I said, oh, I well, Masashi was a, was a good one. And, and that's uh, that's one of how Darcy got one of his nicknames then. It was um, um, Sashi Darcy. So, you know, and the, and the new board just got that happening. And so it, it really felt like it was a real change in things and there was there was light at the end of the tunnel and, and Plough coming in with, a, you know, most of the guys that knew him because uh, we played with him. And um, just sort of fresh approach and, and things really started to click. And then, you know, what it's like in Trent, uh, Trent with, with footy. As soon as you get a little bit of confidence, a little bit of momentum, you know, you start believing it. And, and that's where it went from 97 to 98 type thing. And then I guess, you know, that year you played finals, you had an outstanding home and away season. You made finals. You made that famous prelim final clash against Adelaide. How do you reflect on that game like you know, I guess, you know, there's all these what-ifs and, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing and so forth. But, you know, a terrific year, but it would have been, I guess, nice to just go that one step further and get a chance to play in a GF. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, it is really disappointing. And they, they're probably the two of the lower lights of, um, of my career. Um, there's 97 and 98 preliminary finals um, for different reasons. Um, but, yeah, and I think, I think you sort of reflect upon it and the Crows went on to win two premierships from that. So, um, you know, it's as much of us losing it as, as much as them winning it. They, they were the better team. They, they actually did the job and got it done when it was needed. So, yeah, very disappointing when you reflect upon it. But like you say, there is a lot of what I've said. It was very close. Um, but, you know, the same thing, that's, that's life sometimes and, I never had an opportunity to play in a play in an AFL grand final, but um, yeah, got very close a couple of times. And I think the the following year, I think there was this um, kind of feeling, at least with the coaches and the players, that you know we'd earned the right to get to a grand final next year. Um, that there was a lot of talk about, well, a lot of teams go through preliminary loss um, losses disappointments that make them stronger and go that next step. And I remember we, we caught up with uh, with Plough, I think the two days or the day before at his place of the 98 preliminary final and walked away from that feeling supremely confident 
for a number of reasons, that it was, yes, we'd done our apprenticeship, we'd done our work. We'd had, we felt we had probably a slightly better team. We probably had better results during the year and had a stronger year in 98. And then for it to pan out how it did and we got a fair flog in the preliminary final, um, that was that was really gut-wrenching because sometimes you, you you feel a certain way, you think in history, you look back on this and go, yeah, that's that's how I felt. We felt really prepared for that. And, and we just it just didn't just didn't pan out that way. It just shows you how hard finals and, and grand finals are to make and win it, doesn't it? You know, the, the competition's just lethal and you've got to be at your absolute premium to uh, to enjoy endure that success, don't you? Yeah, no, that, that that's absolutely right, and um, and that's it's a really fun thing now to sit back and watch finals footy, and I've been fortunate enough to watch the dogs over the last few years, some good ones and some bad ones, but um, it's a fine line, isn't it? You know, and and uh, a couple of years ago in Western Australia when the dogs, you know, and I'm never one to get ahead of myself, but in that third quarter, early in that third quarter, like a lot of other dog supporters, I actually thought, well. The fact that we've come down this hard road um, and Melbourne haven't, that it was that was going to be the deciding thing. And then, wow, that's six or seven minutes later, I was so wrong again. <laughs> They're unbelievable, the Ds in that quarter, that's for sure. Hey, mate, one more on 97. Um, I guess a, a year that was um, you know, a little bit sad in the in regards to the Western Oval, Witten Oval being used for the final time. Um, you guys played West Coast. In that last game, what was it like running? You know, it would have been quite an emotional day running around for the final time, knowing that you're not going to play a home game there. I know Optus Oval and then obviously Colonial and Marvel or what do you want to call it back then was was in play and that was home for you guys. But did you enjoy running around the Western Oval, one of the old suburban grounds? And, and what was the emotion of that last game against the Eagles? Yeah, no, I absolutely did love running around there because I knew that every opposition that come to play there didn't like running around there. So... <laughs> That was the first thing that was really special about it, that your opposition hated it. Um, but no, look, I played my first under-19 game there. I'm pretty sure I played my first reserve game and I definitely played my first AFL game, the senior game. So to come down as an 18-year-old and that was your training arena, um, that was that was your place. Uh, it quickly became that very sentimental place. And, you know, I, one of the things, if you ever watched the Year of the Dog, is that... Um, uh, the, I forgot the name of the band now that used to play right there. Um, the Yarraville brand or something. God, people will know this pretty well. I should know it as well. But that sort of stuff, just that noise just etched in your brain. So it was it was very much, and it was, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty indifferent sort of day, emotional day. Yeah, it was. Um, probably only time after that, when you reflect upon it, to see how significant it was at the time you had a job to do to be West Coast. But, um yeah, it was a bit sad. Well, here's Grigich going towards Croft. Croft from 45 metres, sets sail for home. It's a, not a bad kick. Oh, great play, Footscray. 2004 was uh, your last season in the AFL. And tell me about the 2004 season. I know you didn't play a lot of games. I think they went the youth policy and so forth. Was that sort of hard? Because I know your form, I think you won the VFL best and fairest for Werribee that year. So your form was pretty good, but I think you only might have played three or four games from memory. Was it hard not getting playing more senior games in that year, knowing that your form was was good enough with the what you were displaying in the VFL? Yeah, it was Trent, and and I think this is probably um, you know something that that all players have to reflect upon. And when you're in the moment, um, you know you probably think you got 
you got more in you than uh, than uh, and what probably coaches and others are telling you. Um, yeah, early in that year, um, I was probably wasn't giving game time and not putting it into younger players. Um, you know, a couple of those younger players didn't last much longer than a year or so anyway, <laughs> in reflection. So it was very hard. It was, I was told pretty early, uh, maybe it was round five, round six, um, by um, Pete Rowe. Peter Rowe sort of told me, so that was the decision that, um, you know, it's, it's um, we're going to play younger blokes in front of you pretty well to the extent that they weren't going to play in your game. And to hear that, I probably still had to process it. And my response was, well, look, I settled up for this year. I've got teammates here I've played with for, you know, 10, 14 years. Um, I just can't bring myself to sort of stop there and then. I, I'm kind of not ready in my own mind. So I said, look, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm sticking around. And if my form warrants it, you know, I expect that, that I will be playing. It didn't pan out that way, and it was very hard rocking up down to Chernside Park in the cold and the dark um, training. But, you know, I had made that commitment, and I felt I, I probably felt I owed that. Or not owed that, but I had that respect for my teammates that I didn't want to walk away halfway through the year. Um, yeah. I was still fit. I was still able. So, yeah, it was pretty hard. It was very hard. And then I guess that last game, what a way to go out, mate. Um, five goals against North Melbourne. You and uh, Simon Garley got a chance to run around for the final time. Like that must have been a satisfying way to, to finish Rayfield's journey with a, a performance like that. Yeah, it absolutely was, and you know, and that's that's the sort of thing that you are grateful for the club to to, to be given that opportunity. Um, I thought I warranted it anyways, but you know, they they did that, and there was I think it was either three or four tables in the president's luncheon as well. There was my family and friends and work colleagues that were all able to come along and, and um, you know, for, and I, I still see photos of that, you know, of, of them, my, my family, my mum and dad that had uh, stood by me for so long and come down from Mildura to watch so many games over my career. To see me be to, able to be perform like that in my last game, um, yeah, it was as much about them and everyone that supported me along the journey. It was fantastic. And oh, I think that to do it with Garlo as well, who, who'd done the hard yards down at Werribee with me. And and I think, you know, I kicked four of those in the third quarter right in front of the Bulldog cheer squad. Like, you can't script that any better. No. I was doing high fives with them. And, um, yeah, it was interesting. I was, I was talking to my son last night. Um, about how I prepared for my games, and um, and it was always in a negative standpoint, defensive standpoint. You know, don't talk to anyone 24 hours. I thought I went out of my way to do that, but that's just how I was. <laughs> and I got a call from um, from Todd Curley uh, the the night before my last game, and he said, "Oh, you know, how do you feel?" I said, "Oh, I said I'm a bit nervous." He said, "What are you nervous about? It's your last game." He said. For once, Crofty, just go out there and have fun and enjoy yourself. And it, it really resonated with me. It was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, whether that was any different or nothing, but I did really enjoy myself, so it was fantastic. That would have been one you would have watched in COVID, mate, just going through that and showing the boys at home how good you were up forward and you're a uh, you know a big goal kicker and so forth. I reckon that would have been one you would have been watching. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely right. And you know what the great leveller of footy is? I played back uh, in the first final with Werribee the week after. I played centre-half back all year. They put me to centre-half four. I had two hanging off me. I couldn't touch it. Half-time, I had to go to centre-half back again. So that's the other lesson about footy and AFL, isn't it? It was always a great leveller just around the corner waiting for you. Absolutely. Hey, mate, at the end of my podcast, and I've loved the chat, Crofty. It's been great to touch base with you. I'm going to give you just a couple of real quick handball questions to finish off. So the first one, I'm going to give you four names. I want you to give me one word to describe uh, these guys that you played with at the doggy. So the first one's going to be Scott West. One word. Jeez. I know, it's tough. Great. Keenan Reynolds. Strong. Danny Del Rey. Large. And the last one, Steve Wallace. <laughs> Finance. <laughs> Which teammates over the journey that you played, would, would you have kicked the match-winning goal after the siren? So if you could give the footy to any teammates, to kick it, say, from 40 to 45 metres out to win the game after the siren, who would you give that honour to? Uh, Steve Creel, just because of all the hard stuff he's had to go through in his career. That would be very fitting for him to finish that way. Who's the best character you come across? And I've got no doubt there's been heaps, but who's the one that you enjoyed having a beer with and having you know that bit of banter and so forth as well? Oh, he's probably pretty close, mate, but uh, Trent Bartlett. Yep. Real character. Yeah, just um, pretty dry. He's always coming up with stuff that you've never thought of. Um, but you're right, there is... <laughs> It, there is heaps. There is absolutely heaps. Lindsay Gilby, I know you only said one, but Lindsay Gilby got endless enjoyment out of um, listening to Gilbs. And the last question, mate, uh, what was the best thing about playing footy in the 90s? Oh, a lot of my teammates would say the tunnel. I'm not going to say the tunnel, but, um, yeah, that's – I think the interstate travel, when that was really coming about, I, I thought that – that really took the game to the next level. I thought that was great for all the interstate clubs coming into it, stuff like that. So that's probably that's probably mine. Matthew Croft, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast, mate. Great to reminisce about your time at Footscray and the Western Bulldogs. Really appreciate you've shared your time. Thanks, Trench. Enjoyed it. It's great. Well played, but the hand pass untidy. West gets it across to Croft. Croft from 25 metres out gets another one for the Bulldogs. That's the end of episode number 67. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear. Next week, our guest is former West Coast and Carlton utility, Matthew Clappe. It's tough, it's rugged, it's good, solid AFL football. 